0: Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you. You don't have to stand, but thank you, Wanda. Thank you. But while you are standing, I'll keep you standing. If you're not standing, would you stand with me? Not for me, uh, for him. And uh, I'd love to pray for you all, you faithful, as Christy said, the remnant of... Those with their priorities sorted? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. But while we're here, let's praise him. And let's lift up people in prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We look to you, Lord, for every situation that we face individually, every situation we face in our families, every situation we face in our workplaces, every situation we were facing in our schools before this glorious holiday. Lord, we look to you and we cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. So go ahead, just take every anxious thought, everything that has been keeping you up at night, Give it to him. And now the exchange is his peace. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. So do not be worried, John, what, or afraid. Yes. Yes. Do not be worried. Do not be worried. Do not be worried, Nils. Do not be worried. I'm like a professional warrior. Is anyone, like not a warrior, like, like some of our military folk here, like a warrior. I'm, I'm a pro at it. But I'm telling you, He's so faithful. When we cast our cares upon Him, we truly understand His care for us. So just 10 more seconds together, particularly our young people here. Just cultivate this in your lifestyle. When you get worried, go to Him. Straight away. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's praise God together. He's good, faithful, kind always, always. Well, you may be seated. Thank you, worship team. You're all wonderful. And uh, thanks for not leaving me stranded here while you run off to the beach. That's very good. And uh, I'm really excited about this series that we're stepping into. Um, uh, We're we're calling it A A Better Way. Oh, we're serving with love, but that's different. I changed it, which is, my prerogative. But anyway, <laughs> we, we, we are talking about who we are in a sense. Um, we're again coming back to this idea of church not being something we go to, something we attend. Church is something we are. We are his body. And, and the purpose of this body is to stay connected to the head. Because if we stay connected to Jesus, we will stay alive. I don't know if you've ever dispatched of a chicken. I have, very unsuccessfully. They don't live long without a head. Biology didn't teach me a lot, but it did teach me that you do need a head. And so our connection to Christ, our connection to the head... Life flows from that connection, but also that we are transformed to be like the head. We are transformed to be more and more like him. And so in this pursuit that we have as a community, our mission, our vision, what we are here to do together is to do that, is to be connected to Christ more and more. Therefore, removing the things that disconnect us to him more and more. Connected to one another with the same sense of heart. Growing, therefore, to be more like Him. So then, we can reach others with His love. I don't know if you've noticed in your workplaces, in the society around you, the community around you, it's not very Christian. Some might say it's anti-Christian, anti-religion. Don't be worried by that. In fact, don't be alarmed. Jesus promised it. In the last days, it's not going to look necessarily any better. It might look a little darker, but the light shines brighter in the dark. And so for us to genuinely reach people, not with religion, not with judgment, not with our opinion, but with the life-transforming power of love, we can reach people. Hearing Andrew's beautiful testimony, just the love of Christ, right, that just breaks through anything, can see people come, to know Him, and that's what we want as a church. And so the culture of love and cultivating this culture in our lives is really important. So we're going to spend the next five, is it five weeks, Christy? Yeah, let's say five weeks. Five weeks talking through 1 Corinthians 13 and looking at the culture of love, the characteristics of love, and how this wonderful thing that Christ has called us to live in And this way of life that Christ has called us to walk through is not just a better way, it is the only way to live. So, let's do this together. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians 12, actually, in verse 31. It says this, But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. Now, the Greek there is what's called a a double... Uh, positive in the sense that it's, when you actually look in the Greek, it's like, and I will show you a better, better way. I will show you the most supreme way. But what Paul is really getting at, and what we'll break down today, is what he's saying is, I will show you the only way to live, the only way to life. So, we go to chapter 13, 1. It says, if I speak human or angelic languages but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, that's pretty good, right? Be good to have faith. All faith. That's, that's a big thing. So that I can move mountains, But I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, meaning if I give up my own life, become a martyr for my beliefs, but do not have love, I gain nothing. That's powerful. It's amazing, sometimes we can think we're so right, we're so right, but we're so far from love. And this is the issue of the Corinthian church. Paul has established this church, you can read about it in Acts, he, he, he establishes this community of faith, it's a very interesting church and an interesting city. It's a city that's only really been around at this point for about a hundred years. Uh, the, the emperors previous to this to this moment have have decided Ro- this is an important colony for Rome. They rebuilt it as a city. It's a very prosperous city. It's right on the main port of, of, of a trading route. So these are people that are very successful, they're very and they're very spiritual. And their background has come out from, from, from a real passion for the Greek gods. that they, And they've been rescued out of that to follow the one true king. And they've kind of realized that as they were very spiritual before, they can be very spiritual now. And so they're very earnest in the spiritual gifts. They're very passionate, but their motive is off. They live in a society, in a culture where if you are recognised as someone, wherever you are on, the scale of society is going to determine how good your life is or how terrible it is. So they're constantly fighting for ways to be on top. And one of the ways they've realised that people will come to respect them in their new community is if they become incredibly spiritual. In fact, they don't even really care about the body. They're talking about, do we even need to be married? Do we even need to do this? We're just going to live in this spiritual sense. And they think they're so spiritual and they're so godly, but they're so far from love. We just did this communion meal, right? So when the early church started, it it looked a lot different. It, It would happen regularly. They called it the love feast, They would come together and they would sit. And the concept was, was not just reflecting on what Christ had done, but it was a way that they would come and share communion together. They would do community together. But what was happening is the rich folk are coming with a lot of food. The poor are coming with what they have. But rather distributing, the rich guys are sitting at their big table Look at all my food, isn't it wonderful? Look how successful and powerful, and look how much I love God, because of all this food I'm coming to celebrate, and it's very individualistic. Paul can't believe this. Like, when Paul writes a letter, we we think, yeah, Paul wrote a letter, that must have been a little bit annoying. No, this is a really costly exercise, (laughs) to send a letter back in this time. If Paul's sending a letter you're kind of probably going, whoops, why is Paul writing to us? And so he begins to break down these issues in in, in their culture and in their community. And here in in chapter 13, we become to get to the, the, the core issue for the Corinthians is that they were doing a lot of things and they appeared to be godly things, but they didn't have love as their core motive and direction. So, we come to the context of 12 and 14, and I encourage you as you read 1 Corinthians 13, and particularly uh, the the, the portion we're going to be looking into, make sure you're reading around these things. Whenever we read Scripture, we need to make sure we're reading Scripture in context. Because a verse out of context is just a pretext for you to make it mean whatever you want it to mean, which is just bad interpretation, which ends up with bad doctrine, which ends up with us not looking like light. So, we need to ensure what's going on here. And so, the the chapter just prior, chapter 12, Paul is talking about the gifts and why they're there. That the gifts are actually good. They're not bad. He's not ragging on spiritual gifts. Okay? We, We need the Holy Spirit and His gifts for the building up of the body. So, then He brings them back to the purpose of the gift. And then, He specifically then in 14 will address... The greater gift, which for him was prophecy in this context, because they were using tongues, again, not bad, a celebration of the building up of our most holy faith, particularly for our individual prayer lives, but in a corporate worship sense, they're all just showing how godly they are by screaming in tongues as loud as they can. There's no encouragement. There's no sense of community. There's no sense of love, this thing that was meant to be the love feast, has turned into basically, let me show off my spiritual gifts. And that context is permeating into everything they're doing as a community. So he says, let me show you the superior way. If you do all of this without love... It's not slightly off. It's not 90% there. It's nothing. So, love is very crucial. He needs to bring them back to the core motive and guiding principle of their lives as followers of Jesus the way of love. And it is crucial for us as God's people to live our lives moving down the way of love. For this way, the way of love is the way He intends us to walk, not just in this life, but forever. So then when we jump to verse 8, it says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. But when the perfect comes... Sorry, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, when it all becomes fully revealed at Christ's return, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I was a man... I became, when I became a man, I put aside childish things. Now, it's good to grow up, but he's not necessarily saying that in this context. Again, he says, for now we see indistinctly as in a mirror, but then face to face. For now I know in part, but when I, when, but then I will fully know as I am fully known. Now, these three things remain in the context of their day-to-day lives, these three gifts, these are crucial. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest, the superior, the only real way of these is love. So again, this is not about just maturing or growing up. What this is saying is that what God has given you now is for now. Prophecy, amazing. Knowing about the future, amazing. But when the future's finished, when Jesus returns, it's not needed. Speaking in tongues, amazing. Heavenly languages, amazing. But when Christ returns and there is one language because He's coming back to one people and one church, not needed. All of this stuff that we have in the here and now, even faith and hope, Because faith is the evidence of things not. So when we see, we don't need faith because it's there. Hope is the assurance of things too. But when it comes, we don't need it because it's there. But love will be forever. Man, love is forever. Love never, ever ends. Imagine devoting your whole life to a way of life that will be burnt up in nothingness. Imagine pursuing things in life that ultimately end at Christ's return. What will you look back and see the legacy of your life and realize it was nothing? I gained nothing. But if I begin to pursue the way of love, I am starting on a journey. I'm getting back on a journey that is so helpful for this life because it does help when you live in love. Your, your relationships are going to be much better and we'll, we'll, we'll look at that. But it goes on forever. All else, all the gifts, they help us on the journey They help us toward the destination. But love is eternal. Love is the greatest because it marks in the present what will be forever. What will be perfected when His kingdom come is what He wants us to grow in today. And so the qualities of love then become a compass or a measurement if our direction in this life is leading towards the goal of eternity. They are the characteristics for us to grow in as we continue to follow Jesus. for in this life, we will never be perfect, but we do seek to look more like Him and not less. And therefore, in in verse 4, sorry, sir, I'm, I'm jumping all over the place, but it says this, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy does not act improperly, oh sorry, he's not boastful, he's not conceited, does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things." Just think about that for a moment. We're going to spend the next five weeks pretty much in this section. Week by week, pulling apart some of these thoughts of what the characteristics and qualities of love look like. When you see those lists, what do you think about your own way of life? I did this yesterday as I was preparing and praying, and I'm like... I'll give myself a score. <laughs> Some of them I'm doing okay. Some of them not so good. <laughs> Sometimes I struggle with patience. Like a lot. Particularly with my poor children. Sorry, kids. And I'm, I'm like, Lord, why do I do that? I, I can go from really calm... Like, it's all good to like stop doing that. Like, why why do I do that, God? And he showed me, he said, because you're afraid. Like the opposite of this idea of patience is is the concept of trying to control everything. We can live such fearful lives and we become frustrated with people when they don't follow our rhythm because we think our rhythm is the only rhythm and we have to control and we have to make sure that it's all. But you know, love is long suffering, it's very patient. So I was challenged. So if you're feeling challenged, too bad. (laughs) Join Join the club. Because again, we're not going to be perfect in this life, but we are walking on a journey that is going to be perfected. So we may as well start now. Particularly if we want to reach a community with genuine love and not religious love, which sounds very, very, very loving, but it's not. Man, it sounds so righteous, but it's just self-righteous. And it is more repulsive and turns people away. Jesus had no problem reaching the world, no problem reaching the lost, The people he really struggled to reach were the religious folk. If Jesus Christ, Jesus, not us, Christ walked into our workplaces tomorrow, what would it look like? How many people would just come to him out of a sense of genuine love? This is where we're moving towards, where we can come and be more like him. All right. If this is the better way to live, the only genuine way that leads to life, these characteristics also then stand as a warning. Don't go down the wrong way. Have you ever gone on the highway and you see those signs saying, wrong way, turn around? Don't you just feel for anyone that has had to do that? Imagine the shock. Well, I can imagine it because I remember driving in the States once. I was very tired end of a big big trip, and I thought, you know what would be a good idea is to go driving in a country that drives on the opposite side of the road. And I was so grateful for those signs when I started to turn and saw them, wrong way, go back. When you're your finer self and you're on fire and you're at church and isn't Jesus lovely, we're on the right way. When you're tired and you get to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you see that kid at school that was picking on you before, you see that person at your workplace, you can easily turn down the wrong way. And the Holy Spirit, He's so good. If we listen, He'll go wrong way, turn back. the wrong way is often easier to walk down. And it's a way that the more you go down it, the easier it will become. And if you don't turn around, it will begin to mold you into the type of person you don't want to be. So over the next little while, let's search our hearts and turn around. If we're going down the way of impatience, Stop. Turn around. If we're going down the way of unkindness, stop. Turn around. If we're going down the way of envy, so easy in this life, so easy, stop. Turn around. If we're going down the way of pride, amen. If I could warn you about anything of any of these, do not let pride lead your life. I don't know if you've ever felt when God is actively resisting you. It's not fun. He will resist the proud. His grace is for the humble. Stop, turn around. For going down the way of selfishness. Stop and turn around. For going down the way of anger. Stop and turn around. If we're going down the way of holding grudges, stop, turn around. If we're going down the way of vengeance, stop, turn around. If we're going down the way of giving up on people, stop, turn around. And let's follow again the superior way. The only way that leads to life, the way... Of love, So, I encourage you, over the next little while that we're in this passage, be in this passage. Don't make it your only Bible reading, if, if you have a plan, if you've got a Bible reading plan. I don't have a Bible reading plan because I never feel them. So, I just read the Bible and hope that I get to most of it. <laughs> but as you're reading the Bible, do come to this. Make sure you make it a part of a regular Point of your reading. And as you're reading it, the Bishop N.T. Wright, I was reading one of his commentaries on this. He had a helpful practice that I think we could put into place. As we read, I want you to stop, pray, and reflect on these three things. In what ways do I see the qualities of this love in Jesus? Don't just, like, think about it and move. No, no, really, really think about it. Think of all the times that Jesus is patient in the Scriptures. Reflect on all the times He's patient with us. I think this is the miracle of God. You know, He's given all His love, and that's a powerful thing. I think what's more powerful is He's so patient with how we've treated it. He's so patient, just waiting for people to respond to his love. In what ways do I see these qualities in Jesus? In what ways do I see them, or if you're like me, not see them in me? This will not be comfortable, I promise. It might be a little alarming. It might be a little concerning. That's okay. This is not a witch hunt. (laughs) This is not the Holy Spirit waiting to go, see, I got you. No, He's loving and kind. He's full of grace and mercy. This is a life rope being cast out to us. But sit in it. What's my fuse like? How quickly do I get angry? When someone wrongs me, am I I quicker at letting go or more likely to hold on? You ever have a fight after the moment? I always win those fights. You know, someone cuts you off and you imagine what you would do like 20 minutes later. Don't do that. letting go. And finally, in what ways if we were like this, would it work out in practice? And so picture yourself in the next situation. What would it look like? Because as you visualize what it would look like, you can begin to apply it. And at first, it will feel so not like you. And that might be good, <laughs> but that's okay. Because what we want is that these are, these are like they're, well, for you guys, they're second nature because you're good. For me, it's like third or fifth nature, right? But, but we're, we're slowly bringing this nature back to become more of our immediate response. So get a vision of it. What would it look like? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we're up for it. Oh, I better check. Are you guys up for this? Good. Oh, you don't. You don't have to. Yeah, I am. Like genuinely. If, if you're like, you know what? This this could be good for me. Just just give me a hand. Some of you are going to be like, you feel like, well, now I have to because everyone is. <laughs> now keep your keep your hand up for me. Now just close your eyes. And say, Lord, help. However you want to say that. Just. Holy Spirit, help. I'm telling you, this type of work, this is what fixes marriages. This type of work, this is what heals relationships between parents and kids. This, this type of work is what helps you at work every day. This type of work is what is going to help you kids at school every day. It can be so easy for us to go down the way we've always known, the way our parents did, the way our friends do. But what we need to do is stop and turn around. Say, let me follow the way of love. So, Lord, we come to you sincerely, open-heartedly. You know our hearts better than we even know. You know our motives, what drives our seemingly unconscious decisions at times. You know the root of that. You know where it's coming from, the hurt it's coming from. You know it all. And we sometimes don't, God. So we're coming to you to say help. We want to be people of love. Can I have 30 more seconds of your time? Is that all right? We're doing pretty good today. I've, done, I've got a minute and 12 seconds to go, people. It's a miracle. My gosh. Can I, can I ask us to stand? Is that okay? Actually, sorry. I'm going to stop. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, you can sit in this. But I just, I find it personally. Now, we are talking about cultivating love in our life. This is not self-generated this is not Spirit-guided. This is God-given. We love because He first loved us. So if you just need to encounter the love of God again, maybe you're too hard on yourself, maybe you, you, are, you, you find this frustration and anger actually comes out of an anger of self, this is God's moment to love you. So just turn to Him, look to Him. You might want to open your arms again. You might want to close your eyes, but just have a moment with Him. Lord, we come to you now. We thank you that you are not just a God who is loving, you are love. For your love is so great that you gave your only son. So we receive afresh this morning with grateful hearts. We open it up, all of it, our whole lives, and we say, Lord, we thank you for your love. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.